In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we hear the familiar parable of the prodigal son, hopefully we go back to familiar meditations instead of turn off our brain and say, I already know that. To add to your meditation, let's um, consider the, the older son, not only in a particular, but perhaps even in a new light. Already you're familiar with how the story isn't really about the prodigal son. The story is about the father. He's the main character in the story. It's about his love and his forgiveness. You're already familiar with how the prodigal son himself isn't even really an example of repentance. If anything, he's an example of imperfect contrition, if even that. We hear that in how he almost rehearses his apology, and then it's even restated word for word as though it's uh, a formula. We know that he doesn't even want to return back to the love of his father. He simply wants to return back to being a well-fed servant. He's still looking after his own interests. We can even hear in his own complaining about how he's starving of hunger when we can probably imagine that, well, he has a job, he's probably not starving. He's just uncomfortable. Maybe really uncomfortable, but he's not starving. We probably have already encountered the older son as the example of most of us. Unforgiving. Still in our father's household, but not in our father's heart. Sometimes, perhaps it's because we have Martha and Mary in the, in the background that we think perhaps the older son is an example of someone who's very dutiful, right? Like Martha, but somehow unmerciful or somehow maybe even peevish. But I don't think Martha and Mary help us explain this parable. Remember, it's St. Martha and St. Mary who are in that real-life story. It might be helpful for us to consider the older son not as dutiful and faithful, just too hard. Rather, as the one who says that he's going to obey the Father, but then doesn't. Our Lord asks that question in the abstract on another occasion. Who really does the will of the Father? The one who says he will and then doesn't? Or the one who says he won't but then does? Well, the one who eventually does. So for your meditation, consider the possibility of the older son as that one who makes a good front who says what he thinks he's supposed to say, and then doesn't really do the will of the Father. If you will, consider how some of us grew up watching Leave it to Beaver. Some of us grew up watching reruns of Leave it to Beaver. Some of us don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And the character of Eddie Haskell as, as much as he rubs us the wrong way, 
seems, from my vantage point, to be totally missing from popular culture. There are a few others who appeared in, in the 70s and the 80s. That character who, who looks perfectly, perfectly well-polished, very presentable, polite, kind, friendly, makes a good impression on mom and dad, but in the end really just does whatever he wants. We're not talking about the villain who hides his villainy. We're talking about the person who is gracious in public, but it's completely selfish in reality. I lament the absence of characters like Eddie Haskell, and you can tell me if there are some, not during Mass, certainly not during Communion, after Mass, perhaps. I lament because I don't even think our culture finds any room for someone like that, or even finds someone like that credible. Or perhaps I should say, the society in which we live has so little culture that it doesn't even make sense for someone to present themselves as polite and gracious, because it's unnecessary. Listen to how this older son speaks to his father. Anytime your words to your superiors begin with the word, look, you're already in trouble. Moreover, he turns into prosecutor mode. He is pointing out the sins of his brother, which makes us even wonder, how does he know about them? Secondly, he protests. I have never disobeyed your orders. When in that very moment, he is disobeying his father's order. Pretty much any time anyone says, I have never disobeyed you, we can, uh, we can expect there to be a little hyperbole. We might even think that they protest a little bit too much. St. Alphonsus Liguri, in his preaching on impenitence, in particular the impenitence of the prodigal son, he does speak of the danger of presumption against God's mercy, which we might associate with the prodigal son, the one who simply presumes upon the mercifulness of God, the one who presumes that he will be sorry when he encounters God, the one who presumes that he will even decide to be sorry while he still has enough time to encounter God. St. Alphonsus de Liguori also speaks of the danger of lukewarmness, and that being lukewarm is even more dangerous than being positively sinful. Being positively sinful almost has built into it the probability of hitting rock bottom and of experiencing pain. And if that produces imperfect contrition, that is all the good Lord needs. But the person who's lukewarm convinces themselves, I'm really pretty good. I, you know, I, I, I love God. At least, I, you know, I don't hate God. I don't rebel against God. I love my neighbor. At least, you know, I don't go out of my way to harm my neighbor. I think, you know, confessions like that begin with, I could be nicer, you know, I could pray more. I could, you know, dot to dot. I think I'm pretty good. There are just some good things that I could probably do better. There is a kind of acknowledgement of sin, 
but there doesn't seem to be an acknowledgement that I am a sinner, the way we begin Holy Mass, beating our breasts and saying, Lord, have mercy. Some ways that we might recognize lukewarmness in us. Do we think I'm basically okay? As opposed to thinking, I am overwhelmed by God's grace that's keeping me in communion with him, and by his miracle, I'm actually doing good things. We might recognize lukewarmness when we compare our disposition towards God and godly things to our disposition about the things that we really like to do and we really like to talk about. We might even recognize lukewarmness and test whether or not we really do love God and love our neighbor. When we compare our prayer to God or when we compare our disposition towards the average person to our attitude when we come into contact with someone that we really love. It's hard for me to imagine how our Lord would have told a story about the lukewarm sun. There are some lukewarm sons, some who do say the right things but don't do the right things. Our Lord speaks of the priests in that vein. And we do hear after the resurrection about a number of priests converting. Maybe simply just by the direct action of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Or maybe through being convinced that the resurrection really happened. Lukewarmness really is quite dangerous. And the best way out of it is for us to abruptly make an examination of conscience that comes with a stark conclusion, I really am a sinner. I'm not basically okay and just need to improve upon a few things. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you should falsely accuse yourself of having committed mortal sin when you haven't. That's a, that's a spiritual disease. But especially for the person who only has venial sin to bring to the confessional, to do so with 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 real conviction, I am lost without God. Opening prayer for Mass under this new translation, far superior to what we had prior, compares God's mercy to our serving Him with all our heart in a way that you might not expect. So at a moment when you have a minute, maybe after Holy Communion and, and when you've made your thanksgiving or maybe after Mass, look at that collect, which is what we call the opening prayer for Mass. It doesn't say, Lord, give me your mercy so that I can serve you with all my heart. But rather it says, Lord, let me serve you with all my heart so that I may experience your mercy. It's only when we realize that I... I am nothing unless I love God with all my heart. I'm not really of God unless I love my neighbor really and truly. And when I strive to love God and serve him with all my heart, then I realize the necessity of God's mercy because then I realize I'm not up to the task of loving God with all my heart. 
If my goal is being lukewarm, I never really think I need his mercy. Among many beautiful confessions yesterday was one in particular very simple. And I hear it from time to time from different holy voices who realize I'm just phoning it in. I'm not doing anything really bad, but I'm not really trying. And today it stops. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.